person once said, tell me the facts and I'll learn. Tell me the truth and I'll believe. But tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever. Stories have a way of captivating us. They draw us in to focus our attention on a specific person or event and invite us to ask important questions about our own lives in the process. This morning, we invite you to listen to the story of a man who boldly proclaimed the gospel, even in the face of certain death. His confidence in Jesus has instilled strength and courage in disciples throughout the centuries. It was about this season over 2,000 years ago that I experienced the greatest challenge in my life, but I experienced the greatest blessing as well. My name is Stephen, and I was a follower of Christ from the early days of the church, the earliest days. And people ask me, how, how can I follow Christ when I wasn't there when he walked the earth? And they're right. I wasn't there when, when Jesus healed the lepers. I wasn't there when he restored Zacchaeus. I wasn't there when Jesus fed the 5,000. I wasn't there when he walked on water. I wasn't there when he was arrested. I wasn't there when he was beaten and crucified. I wasn't there when he rose again. So people ask me, Brian, how, or Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, how can you believe? And I tell him this story. See, I'm a Hellenistic Jew from Cyrene. Cyrene is a warm and wonderful city on the top coast of Africa. And a Hellenistic Jew is still someone who's faithful to God, but they embrace some Greek customs in the Greek language. And then every year at the same time, we would travel to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice to the God of provision who blessed us with all that we have. So hundreds of Jews would get on this trail and travel to Jerusalem. We would sing hymns together as we walked. The elders would tell stories of God's work throughout the Old Testament. It was also on this trail, on this journey, where I began to hear stories of a man named Jesus. And people told me about this man who had miraculous power, but he also had incredible compassion. 
It was a man who could teach the scripture with authority and yet at the same time show mercy that no one else could. There are people that said that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. And they told me that there were a group of followers of his that were gathering in Jerusalem. And so I decided before I went to offer my sacrifice, I'd stop by and see if I can learn more about this man. As I walked the steps to the upper room where they were gathering, suddenly this loud boom, this sound that caused me to cover my ears just consumed that entire building. I mean, it shook the walls, it shook the floor, and the windows and the doors burst open. And as I stood there with my ears covered because of the deafening sound, the disciples didn't. I mean, they were in there as if they were expecting and anticipating something. And as that wind blew through, they didn't cover their ears. They raised their hands and lifted their face toward heaven and inhaled as if they were breathing in the very breath of God. And then suddenly this pillar of fire appeared and it consumed the room. And I can remember the heat that radiated from that fire and yet at the same time there's a cool, crisp breeze that gave me the chills at the same time. Then that pillar began to shake violently and then it exploded like a firework that just took over the room and it divided into over a hundred equal pieces and then they slowly descended to land on the head of each person in that room. And I remember thinking, man, if, if God truly was a part of this movement, wouldn't it involve fire? I mean, God spoke to Moses through fire. God led the people of Israel through the desert as a pillar of fire. Oftentimes, God would display his pleasure or his judgment, but either way, his presence through fire. And after witnessing that, I, I wondered, is God's power at work in the midst of this movement? I didn't have to question long because right after those, those flames landed on the heads of those early disciples, their lives were different. They seemed filled with this joy and this confidence. And they spilled out of the room onto the streets, speaking in different languages. And it didn't take me long to find someone who spoke in mind. And they just, for hours, talked about Jesus. 
It talked about how I was born and how the power of Jesus, that Jesus claimed to be the Lamb of God, the final payment for our sins, the gateway to heaven. They walked us through the scriptures to help us understand this had always been God's plan, that God was always at work, and that Jesus was the final piece that we've been waiting for. I don't know how long I was there. I lost track of time. I just remember sitting there, receiving their message. It changed my life. It was that day of Pentecost that I found Jesus. It was that day of Pentecost that I accepted him in my life. It was that day of Pentecost where I was saved. It was that day of Pentecost that I finally discovered what I was born for. I was made to be a witness of Christ just as those early disciples were to me. And at that day, I committed that every day of my life, I'd be a witness for Christ. Well, it didn't take long. The movement of God that began at Pentecost, it just took off. And after a matter of months, it was growing by thousands and thousands. And I can't even begin to tell you everything I saw. I saw some who were blind regain their sight. I saw some who were crippled, able to walk. I saw relationships restored. I mean, I saw people coming from cities outside of Jerusalem come and, and lay their needy families and friends in the pathway of James and John in hopes that those friends would experience God's power the way I did. Even some of the religious leaders, they began to join the movement of God, the body of Christ. And I think that's what made them most afraid. Once they began to recognize that God was working through this movement and God wasn't working through theirs, they got jealous. And the religious leaders proclaimed that telling people about who Jesus was was illegal. And I remember the fear that just consumed my life at that very moment when I heard that being a witness to Christ made me a criminal. I wasn't sure how to navigate both, but then Peter and John reminded me of something Jesus said. He said Jesus told him that he would be with them. He would never forsake them, even to the end of the age. And Peter and John committed that they were still going to be a witness. So I figured if it was good enough for Peter and John, it was good enough for me. In fact, all of us, all of the Christians, we testified about Jesus in the temple we taught about Jesus on the streets. We praise God in our homes. I mean, all of us did it. Peter was usually the spokesperson in front of the masses. 
but all of us taught and shared our testimony of who Jesus was. The church continued to grow. Continued to grow to the point that the disciples felt it was time to to name other men, to choose seven to care for the needs of the church. And I remember how surprised I was when I heard that my name was one of them. And I felt like there were other men who were older and wiser, other men who, who knew more about the scriptures. But the disciples felt that I, I was called to be one of the seven. In a moment of doubt and weakness where I questioned that call, I heard the voice of God tell me, Stephen, you were born for this. Let me use your life as a witness to my power. I accepted the charge and began to oversee caring for the widows and the needy within our movement. And it was an honor and a privilege. But God didn't use me just for that. He also gave me a platform to speak and to teach. I saw lives healed. I saw people restored. It was one of the greatest joys of my life to be a leader and a servant of God in the midst of this time. I was able to spend more of my time going to synagogues and giving my testimony of who Jesus was. There is this one synagogue in particular, the synagogue known as the Freedmen. It's a synagogue filled with men who, who were once slaves. And they'd received their freedom. They either worked off their debt or their master had died. And they all had a new freedom together. I remember going into that synagogue and letting them know that although, although they were free in the eyes of men, they were still slaves to sin in the eyes of God. They argued with me and tried to help me see how they were Jews. And because they were Jews, they had these rights and freedoms and that superseded anything that Jesus had done. And I reminded them of their need for a savior, that their sacrifices were just for a time that Jesus came to fulfill the law. And that just made them even more angry. They demanded that I recant. I told them I couldn't. I told them I, I was born for this. And that Jesus called me to be a witness for him. Well, everything happened so fast after that. Friedman ran out and started to call the temple guard and the Sanhedrin together. Before I knew it, I was called before the Sanhedrin. They asked me if the charges were true.
And immediately I was filled, not with fear, but boldness and courage. You know, Peter and John told me once that Jesus said there would be a time where we'd be called before the Sanhedrin and that we wouldn't have to worry about what to say because God would give it to us. And that's exactly what happened to me. As I faced the Sanhedrin, they asked me, Stephen, are, are the charges true? Are you against the law? Are you against the temple? And immediately, I started to defend Christ. I wasn't worried about defending myself. And I told him, I'm not against the temple, I'm not against the law, but I'm for the plan of God. And God's plan has always been to conquer the sins of his people and to form them into a blessing to all nations. I reminded them about Abraham. In his old age, he left everything he knew to follow a promise of God. I reminded him about the older sons of Jacob and what they meant for evil and selling Joseph God used for good and created a home for Israel and saved them from famine. I reminded them about Moses, how Moses was rejected by the religious leaders not once but twice. Once while they were still slaves in Egypt and once after when they chose to form a golden cow and worship it instead of the God who delivered their lives. I told him it's always been God's will that no man perish. That all have eternal life or reunited with Jesus. That Jesus said he is the gate that no one gets to the Father except through him. I tried to reassure them, I'm not against the temple. I'm always about the plans and kingdom of God. They covered their ears and ran out and they just yelled, stone him. And I tried to reassure them, I'm not here as an instrument of judgment. I just want to be an instrument of God and bring grace and truth. But suddenly three temple guards grabbed me and took me out of town and threw me to the ground. And then suddenly these men just grabbed rocks and just started to throw them at me as hard as they could. And at first... It was just pain I can't describe. But as I stood there, I looked at heaven. I saw the clouds roll back like a curtain. And I saw a great throne filled with the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the side of it. 
that's when I heard it. Jesus looked at me with a tear on his cheek. His arms open up. I said, Stephen, don't be afraid. Let your life be a witness for me. And I want to tell you at that moment, a peace that is just beyond human comprehension filled my life. As I stood there, the rocks kept coming. And the pain kept coming. And I looked at the other disciples and I saw their helplessness as they were powerless to intercede and they just watched it happen. And I told them, don't be afraid. I was born for this. To be a witness of God. The rocks kept coming and suddenly I was forced to my knees and I just looked up at heaven and I just asked God use my final breath to be a testimony of your power and suddenly as I looked at all of the men throwing rocks God allowed me to see past the crusty exterior of their life And I saw the pain in their heart, the confusion in their mind, the anger in their life. And I wasn't filled with anger, but compassion. So I prayed, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus, help him to see you as I do. And I remember seeing this man, Saul, gloating over me as I died. You know, a number of people, I think, would wonder... Do I think my life was a waste? Was all that suffering and all of that witnessing worth it? Or do I regret the decision I made at that first Pentecost? I want to make sure you know I don't regret a thing. For it was not even a blink of an eye, that right after I died, I was face to face with Jesus for the first time. You know what he said to me? Well done, Stephen. Well done, good and faithful servant.
come and enter into my presence. I was born for that. I guess the question I have for you is, what are you born for? What are you here for? Some of you may be here and you might say, Brian, I'm saved. I have that, Stephen, I have that same experience with you. Can I encourage you? Be a witness. Use your life. Proclaim the glories of God in your workplace, in the street corners, in your homes. Be a witness for God. Others of you might be here in the midst of a crisis of faith wishing that you could have an experience with Jesus as I have. And my encouragement to you is stay here. Interact with the people. Listen to their testimony. The beginning of my movement with Jesus began in his church hearing their testimonies, learning the truth. And I know there might be some of you looking down the future of your own path, worried about your culture. You're worried about your children and your grandchildren and what lies in store for them. You worry about the consequences of faith. You question maybe whether or not you have the strength to stand firm in the midst of struggle. If that's you, I want to remind you of something the disciples told me. Something that God had shared throughout Scripture to his leaders to his servants, to his people. Our God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have courage. And I want to add to that and tell you, you were born for this. Maybe your end will be different from mine. And maybe it won't. But my life and my death was a turning point in the history of the church. And it's a reminder for the faithful, even in yours, that God is faithful. He will be faithful to you and use you for his glory. All he needs from you is you to recognize you were born for this. To be a witness, to 
proclaim his power in your life and his hope and power he wants to give to others. God bless you.